We realize that in Christ, we are completely forgiven from all of our sins. But does that then give us the freedom to go out and sin all the more? Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Not using your liberty as a cloak for vice. Here's what that looks like. What that looks like is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all the way into the late hours of the night. The attitude is this. I'm going to live in this world. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to be harsh at work. I'm going to have a foul mouth. I'm going to go party with all these guys and I'm going to take care of all. I'm going to do all these things because I know the grace of God gives me great freedom. And if I show up Sunday morning and I ask God for forgiveness, he's going to forgive me because that's a fact. And so I can come in for this hour and a half and get right with God and then go right back out and do whatever I want. And I can have that pattern in my life. What you're doing is you're using grace as a cloak for sin and God doesn't approve of it. That's not the life of the Christian. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. How concerned are you about holiness? Some aren't concerned at all about it. Others go way overboard into unnecessary strictness. And still others have their own code of conduct. But what does God have to say about it all? That's what we'll focus in on today on Abounding Grace. We'll find great insight on sanctification and holiness in Romans chapter 6. Let's join Pastor Ed Taylor for part one of The New You in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 opens up. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Do you know how common that question is? It comes up over and over again. Christians are often asking the question, what kind of life should I live And understanding what you're trying to teach me, Paul, it sounds like what you're telling me is that if I want to see abounding grace, then I need to also see abounding sin. It's unfortunate that it comes up because it comes up all too often among Christians. The thought that we can continue in sin and bring about some heavenly benefit by using some earthly means, justifying our behavior that's clearly not from the Lord so that we might say, well, at least the the ends justifies the means. You know, the whole worldly philosophy is as long as we get where we want to go, it doesn't matter how we get there. But God is concerned with how we get there because he establishes the end and he establishes the means. And so following after the Lord, this question, well, this question is common Because someone once said wisely that if you truly understand the message of grace that Romans teaches, then this question will eventually come up. I mean, if you really understand what Paul is trying to teach us here about grace, about God's work in our life, about his righteousness, about his justification, about his sanctification, about the glorification that we can, if you understand God's grace, his unmerited, unearned love and favor toward us, then this question eventually comes up. Because if you conclude wrongly, you'll come to the place where, hey, if there's abounding sin, there's abounding grace, and I want abounding grace, so why don't I abound in sin? But it's so backwards. Grace has been the theme of Romans from the get-go. 
God has been teaching us through the Apostle Paul about his wonderful grace, about how good he is to us, about how we live is not dependent upon our behavior, upon our performance, but it is God's love that motivates us and moves us to obedience. Whether we learn of how Augustine was affected by Romans and how he was changed, or Martin Luther, or John Wesley, or just me and you, Romans The message of Romans is powerful. Flip back to chapter one. Let's look at a few things that we've already learned about grace. Look at chapter one, verse five. It didn't take long for Paul to open up and begin to write about grace because it's on his heart. It's on his mind. Romans chapter one, verse five. We'll kind of walk through a few of them. He opens up and he says, through whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations For his name, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ, to you, to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God, our Father. Flip over to chapter 3, verse 24. Chapter 3, verse 24. The message of grace is the very bedrock of what the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write. Chapter 3, verse 24, being justified freely by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Look at chapter four, verse four. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Look at verse 16, chapter four. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Look at chapter five, verse two. The message of grace is the bedrock of the book of Romans. It's the gospel of grace. Verse two, chapter five, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Look at chapter five, verse 15. But the free gift is not like the offense for if by one man's offense, many died much more the grace of God and the gift of the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ abounded to many. Verse 17, chapter five. For if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. You know, that's the hook. That's the connection between verse one of chapter six and chapter 20 of verse five. The conclusion was, hey, where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. And so some might falsely conclude, well, hey, if there was abounding sin, then we should continue in abounding sin. Then we'll see the abounding grace of God. And Paul says, no, 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 not at all. That's, you misunderstand. God never gives through his grace and his liberty to believers permission to sin. That's not it at all. And we'll get into that in just a moment. Look at verse 21. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we've learned of our liberty apart from the law is found in Jesus. Our liberty comes from a righteousness that God has given us by faith. And it is a great freedom because men are born into spiritual slavery. Men are born slaves to sin. No one anywhere at any time 
that's a part of Adam's family, which means every human being. If you weren't here last week, pick up the study on what it's like and what Adam did to us and how devastating Adam's sin was to the human race and also that Adam's sin, the effects of his sin are reversible by faith in Jesus Christ. We looked at that in depth last time. But in Adam, every human being, every man, every woman born into slavery, a slave to sin. And so we need to be set apart from sin. We need to be delivered from sin and become a slave of Jesus Christ. That's the message of Romans. The gospel, the good news that you can be free. You can be free, forgiven, and right. Now, let's pick up now with verse 18 of chapter 5. Let's walk our way through into chapter 6, verse 1. You can be free. In Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. Look at verse 18, chapter 5 now. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in the justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by the one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's true, sin and the law and death did indeed reign because Adam's sin plunged the entire human race into a free fall of sin. Every human being became a sinner because of what Adam did. Thank you very much, Adam. I appreciate that. But it's true. But before we blame Adam and we're too quick to point the finger, we need to realize that given the same set of circumstances, you and I, we would have done the same thing. We would have drawn away from God in our humanity. We would have been tempted just as they were. We would have fallen. But verse 20 really jumps out, doesn't it? Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Sin abounded. Life apart from Jesus Christ, our lives, I mean, think about it. If we were able to put our lives up on the screen right now, you know what we would see? Abounding sin. If, if we were to have a movie made of our life before Jesus Christ and it would have it played, we would see things that we have forgotten. We would see things that we didn't even know were sin. What we would see at the end is this is abounding sin. That was our lives. Apart from Jesus Christ, all we did was abound in sin. As good as you and I were, sin was still at the root of our lives, trying us away from God. It was destructive and devastating to everyone that sin touched. But a grace, the grace abounded much more. Jesus came and provided a way out, forgiveness. He provided his blood to save and to wash and to cleanse and to change a life and going one direction of sin and death and a new direction of righteousness and life. And I believe Paul understands that in the audience then and even in the audience here today, there could be some that would want to twist the grace of Jesus Christ to their own destruction, to take this wonderful liberty and twist it around in such a way where, well, the question in verse 1 is asked, so what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace should abound? And notice the answer. The answer is what? Certainly not. If you've got an NIV open on your lap, it says, by no means. The New Living Translation says, of course not. The Old King James says, God forbid. And here in the New King James, it says, certainly not. No way, Jose. <laughs> no way. Don't even think that way. Don't even go that way. 
He, he opens up chapter six, dealing a final death blow to any kind of thinking that says, well, hey, if sin abounds and I wanna see more grace, then I should see more sin because then I'll see more grace. But no, not at all. That's not it at all. No, as a matter of fact, where sin abounded, grace abounded much more because in God's great love, he wanted to see you convicted of that sin and drawn to him with cords of love. Sin is not going to produce grace. Sin is gonna produce destruction. So he says, certainly not, verse two, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Grasp that. How shall we, believers, who have died to sin, we've died to sin, how can we then live any longer in it? When we're dead to it, we don't wanna live in it. So even if the question comes up, we've learned so far that God is leading us to this strong, vibrant walk in his grace. And it's certainly not. Flip over to 1 Peter chapter 2, because Peter dealt with this thought as well. As Peter's writing his letter, he writes in chapter 2, answering the question of what do we do with this great liberty? What do we do with the grace of God? What do we want to do, or what do we do if we want to see more of God's grace in our life? We can know right away what we don't do is to abound in sin, because we have died to sin. And the things you're about to learn today, the things that you're going to grasp today, for some of you, it's going to be by way of review. For some of you, it's going to be brand new, are critical for you to hold on to. They're critical for you to live a life of victory. They're critical for you to avoid the things that are so easily destroy you. Verse 15, chapter 2 of 1 Peter. So many people ask me, what's the will of God, Ed? What's the will of God? Well, verse 15, Peter includes, this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, not using your liberty as a cloak for vice. Here's what that looks like. What that looks like is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all the way into the late hours of the night, the attitude is this. I'm gonna live in this world. I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna be harsh at work. I'm gonna have a foul mouth. I'm gonna go party with all these guys and I'm gonna take care of all. I'm gonna do all these things because I know the grace of God gives me great freedom. And if I show up Sunday morning and I ask God for forgiveness, he's going to forgive me because that's a fact. And so I can come in for this hour and a half and get right with God and then go right back out and do whatever I want. And I can have that pattern in my life. What you're doing is you're using grace as a cloak for sin and God doesn't approve of it. That's not the life of the Christian. The Bible says that you and I have died to sin. Yes, we are free, but we're not free to use the liberty and the grace of God as an excuse to live a life that is totally contrary to his desires. He dictates how we should live. We've surrendered our rights to him. He says, not using your liberty, verse 16, as a cloak for vice, but as servants of God that our liberty is rooted in our relationship with the Lord. Yes, you are free in Christ. What a wonderful freedom we have in Jesus Christ. Yes, amen, but don't use your freedom to stumble someone else and don't use your freedom to stumble yourself. It's not for a cloak to cover up sin. It's not for a cloak to live six and a half days of the week living for the devil and think you can clear it all up on a Sunday morning. True repentance leaves sin behind. True repentance says, I recognize this breaks the heart of God. So often we're caught up in what sin does to other people and indeed it does hurt other people. But I'll tell you, sin cuts right to the heart of God. He is personally offended by our sins. He is personally hurt by our sins and our sin separates us from God. And so grace isn't an excuse to go in that direction. I like how the New Living Translation translates chapter, chapter two, verse 16. It says, but your freedom is not an excuse to do evil. 
not an excuse at all. Freedom is not to be used for ourselves, but for others. It's not to be used as an excuse for our sin, but as an example. Notice he says, verse 17, honor all people in your liberty. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Even as we read in the psalm today, the key of a vibrant life in Jesus is to have a healthy fear and reverence of God and honor the king. Respect government. Respect those that are in authority. And so although we have this tremendous freedom in Jesus, it's not a freedom that we can use to sin. It's not a freedom we can use to hurt. It's not a freedom that we can use to harm and be approved by God. You know, we get so caught up, church, we get so caught up in blaming other people for our behaviors. It's all your fault. We get so caught up. Maybe we don't blame other people, but no, instead we make excuses. Well, you don't understand and you don't see. And, and the Lord's saying, but I understand. Your relationship's with me. It's not with him or her. Your relationship's with me, God would say to us. And it's almost as if there are times when God's pleading with us, stop making excuses. Stop blaming other people. Stop coming to that place where you're justifying your own sinful behavior you're using as a cloak for vice and just repent and surrender your life to him and have a free-flowing relationship with me. For some of you, maybe it's like it used to be. Like your life right now isn't what it used to be. Your life right now isn't really bearing fruit for the kingdom like it used to be. Your desire and your zeal for Jesus Christ isn't what it used to be. And I'm saying to you, in Jesus Christ, it can be beginning today, right here in this place, that if we would just set the blame aside and understand that God, he comforts and he forgives, and we would just set the excuses aside and understand that God comforts and forgives, and we understand that we have died to sin, there's no reason for us to live to sin any longer, God can do a work. Flip over to Titus chapter two while you're in Peter there, just a few pages over. This is life-giving words from God's word this morning. These give life. These infuse life into, into you if you believe them. If you will trust God at his word, if you'll receive the truth from his word today, he will bless you and encourage you and strengthen you to overcome. This is heavy-duty theology given very simply, that God is for you, not against you. He wants to see you strong, living in obedience. And look at what Titus tells us about grace. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11, it says, The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us. So let's learn what it teaches us. Number one, it teaches us to deny ungodliness. So grace doesn't give us permission to live in ungodliness, live a life that's not like God, not from God. The Bible tells us grace teaches us to deny it, to stay away from it. To, to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord and staying away from those things that are ungodly. Listen, church, listen to me, my heart to yours. Why is it that I find Christian after Christian after Christian running after the things of the world? Your friends are calling you up. Come on, man, we gotta go out. We gotta go out, let's go out, man. You could just be the Christian and we'll be the heathens. You go out, just come with us. We want you to hang out with us. You don't have to drink, you don't have to party. Just come with us. And Christians go, whoa, 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 okay. Oh, I think I'll go. And what happens? Oh, the only thing they're serving there is alcohol. The only stuff that's there is the lust of the flesh. And what happens to Christians? They fall and they fall hard. Why aren't Christians answering the phone and saying this? Hey, you want me to go party with you? No, you know what? I'm not going to party with you. Why don't you come over and let's study the Bible together because you need to get saved. Why aren't we doing that? Why has the world got such a tug on us? I'll tell you why. We're probably, you're probably not living dead to sin. You're dead to sin. It has no pull on you anymore. Oh, don't, don't misunderstand me. There's a struggle that goes on in the Christian's life living in this world. That phone call will be a struggle. 
especially if it's something that's tempting to you. That, that, that maybe you, you fear man more than you fear God. And so, well, I better go with them if I, I might lose their friendship. Let me ask you, is those the kind of friends that are gonna lead you into godliness? Is those the kind of friends you really want? They're gonna lead you away from the things of God? You know, when we understand the truth here, I mean, it, it is strength to overcome even the deepest, darkest depression. Because when a person gets depressed and starts getting all upset about the things of life, Jesus wants to break in and say, I'm for you. I know you're feeling bad right now, and I know you're going through it right now, but I'm for you. If you look to me, I'll give you strength. If you look to me, I'll help you. If you look to me, remember when you were first saved? Remember how excited you were? Remember how you looked to me for everything? Remember how you were reading your Bible? Remember how we were talking to each other in prayer? Remember how you were sharing the God? Let's come back to those things that are going to build you up. And you'll find that that dark cloud of depression starts to fade away because you realize that God loves you and has surrounded you with people that love you. I mean, these are life-giving truths. Grace teaches us to deny ungodliness and notice number two, to deny worldly lusts in all their forms. Every worldly lust that's there, grace says, deny it, deny it. You know, one of the most powerful words that you and I have in our vocabulary, the word no. No, I'm not going there. No, I'm not thinking that. No, I'm not allowing that to control me. No, I won't present. That's the whole message of chapter six, as we'll see, that you choose who you slave you want to be. You choose your master. And uh, sin and the devil are cruel masters. And Jesus is a gentle, loving master. And you and I get to choose that. Isn't that great? And so denying ungodliness, denying worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at verse 14, who gave himself for us. Isn't that sweet? Jesus gave himself for us. Jesus gave himself for you. You know, this is a word to those of you that like to control things that like to be in control. It's something that really bothers you when things don't go the way you wanted them to go. It really gets under your skin and it really frustrates. It can ruin your whole day. It can ruin your whole week because things didn't go the way that you wanted them to go. But listen, Jesus gave himself for you. Isn't that great? Oh, something didn't go your way. Something didn't go my way. Give yourself to them. What? Isn't that crazy? Isn't that so opposite the way we think? In our society, in our culture, it's take, 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 take. And Jesus, he gave. He gave himself. And one of the freedoms that we have in our life with Jesus Christ is to give yourself to people, serve them. Give yourself in such a way where, okay, maybe you're going to get the short end of the stick. Give yourself to them. Okay, maybe things aren't going to work out the way you want them to work out. But you know, you don't need to control everything. Because God might be working something out in your life that you don't even see yet that you don't even understand yet, so that by the time he works it out, you've tried to control it, you've tried to manipulate it, you've created an Ishmael, and you've messed things up, and you go, oh, Lord, I just surrender myself, and he answers, I was waiting for that. I want you to surrender. Give up control to me. Well, maybe up until now, you've been more of a taker than a giver. God can help you turn that around as you give the steering wheel of your life over to him. This is Abounding Grace, and Pastor Ed Taylor is leading a study of Romans right now. You can hear these radio programs on our website anytime at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to go and grow in the Word is by downloading our app. Search for Calvary Aurora. This is a great way for you to take in the Word of God wherever you may be. 
Pastor Ed, we've picked out a wonderful book by Warren Wiersbe we believe can assist our listeners in their walk with the Lord. Can you give us an idea of what's contained in On Being a Servant? You know, Larry, one of the go-to books that we use here in developing leaders and servants is this small little book called On Being a Servant of God by Warren Wiersbe. And in it is 30 or 31, I don't remember exactly how many, 30 or 31 small bite-sized chapters uh, from Pastor Warren Wiersbe, who has gone home to be with the Lord, but he's left us a lifetime of work in his in the books that he authored. And I think he does one of the best jobs in a very simple way outlining what it means to be a true servant of God in our current culture. And it's good for anyone uh, that wants to build a spiritual library, anyone that's looking to grow in their service, both in, in the church, in the home, uh, at work. So whether you pick it up here or you get it on Amazon or get it on Kindle, add it to your spiritual library on Being a Servant of God by Warren Wearsby. Time is running out to order this excellent resource. We'll be offering it for just a few more days. So call us today at 877-30-GRACE. We're making it available right now for a gift of $25 or more. And as the costs of being on the radio are growing, we're looking to the Lord to provide for us. If He's leading you to take an active role in the ministry, either through a one-time gift or ongoing support, please visit us online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. Well, that will do it for today. Come back tomorrow when Pastor Ed Taylor will pick up where we left off in Romans here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You laid down your life That I would be set Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.